Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. I don't want you to just listen to me this morning. I want you to interact with me. Are you ready? Amen. Let's do this now. Let's do this together. You're only going to be here for another 90 minutes. Of preaching. And then some more stuff after that. No. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Who said that, everybody? Jesus said it in John 6.63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. In John 3, 6, it says this, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I want to talk to you this morning about the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit of the living God. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And as always, I want to accomplish one thing. It's one thing said in a few different ways. I want to relate you and I to the Holy Spirit, and I want to relate the Holy Spirit to you and I. I want to establish how we are to relate to him and establish how he is to relate to us. Are you ready for that? My goal is almost always to go that route. Listen, I don't want to be one that just reads stories or or gives lists of attributes. I want to bring the subject matter home. I want to bring the subject matter home. Today we are talking about the Holy Spirit of the living God. And when I say bring it home, what I mean is this. I mean living in us. Whatever the subject matter may may be, I want to bring it to where it is living in us in us, where lives are changed forever, starting right now. Listen, I'm not shooting for a goal of your life changing seven days from now. I'm talking about right here and right now. This is what this church is all about. We are about interacting with God. I don't want this to just be another message. I want to take this and make it life-changing, life instead of death, permanent change. This morning, let's gain knowledge. Let's not be, you've heard me quote this verse several times over the last few weeks, 2 Timothy 3, 7, always learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. What does that mean? It means always hearing but never changing, right? Always hearing, like I said last week, there is no shortage of preaching in the United States today. Absolutely no shortage. All we have to do is listen to the, when it's the word of God that's being preached, all we need to do is listen and apply. Then we've gained knowledge, the knowledge that will keep us from perishing. Let's just not learn this morning. Let's walk towards establishing, establishing the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to this. What shall we say in response to this? This is Romans 8, 31 and 32. 8, 31 and 32. What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things, right? Graciously gave us all things. The work of the suffering, listen to this now. The work of the suffering, the death, the dissension. How many of us know? How many of us oftentimes we forget about what Jesus did? There's a few steps there, right? He had the suffering. By his stripes, what are we? Healed. Instantly, right? By his stripes, the stripes that he bore purchased our physical bodily healing through his suffering, through his death. What, is his, what did his death do? The blood of the lamb, what did it do? Purchase the forgiveness of our sins, right? And then we oftentimes don't say this. Jesus went to hell for us, right? How many of us know that? Doesn't get preached very often. Jesus went to hell for us. Why? So you don't have to go. He went in there and he, we often, we just put these into words and songs and phrases. We turn it into just kind of terminology inside the church. Jesus holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Jesus went to hell to purchase for you the right to never go there. That's what he did. That's what it means when he says that he took the keys. Jesus descended there. And then he ascended, right? Through this process, listen, folks, he established all things for you and I. As it is in heaven, it is on earth for the believer. You have every right that those that are in heaven right now have. Do you know that? Are they sick in heaven? Are they depressed in heaven? They have marriage problems in heaven. There you go. They're not married in heaven, so... Don't go that route if you're married. <laughs> Listen to this. It's John 14, 26. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Did this one last week, remember? The helper, and you can substitute in there with various translations. The helper is the comforter. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you, how important is this member of the Trinity? How important is the Holy Spirit to the Trinity? Now, many of you think that I'm bashing churches. I'm not because I'm not mentioning names. But I will tell you, there are many, as I said last week, there are many denominations and churches founded on ignoring the Holy Spirit. We will not do that here. How important is that member of the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in Jesus' name. He will teach you all things. How many of you in here know everything? Don't raise your hand if it's you. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. How important is it that we are relating to the Holy Spirit correctly? How important is it, folks? If entire churches, and I'm talking about heaven-bound people, entire churches are based on ignoring the Holy Spirit, whether they say it or not, think about that. All of what I said right here. How important is it that we relate to him correctly if he's the one that brings forth all things? Jesus said, right? Well, the Word of God said in Romans 8, 31 and 32, right? That God gave us all things in Christ, right? 
The purveyor of those all things, the conveyance of all those things is the Holy Spirit, right? So how important is it that we relate to him? If you ever wonder why there's a lot of foolishness inside the church, and I'm not saying there's no foolishness in this church. Foolishness arises. It does. But if you've ever wondered why that is, look to see how it is that they flow in the Spirit of God. Check, and check that out. How important is it that we correctly, correctly flow and relate to the Holy Spirit? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Before he went out into the desert to, to suffer 40 days and 40 nights, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes in what? The Holy Spirit, right? How important is he, folks? Before I go any further, I want to talk about River Road in 41. I like to do that to you because now you're like, what in the world? River Road in 41. Everybody got it in your mind? There you go. I, I pretty much every day of my life am at that intersection. Every single, just about every day but Sunday. Whether it's working or whatever, I'm always at that intersection. At that intersection is when I decided to ask Hope to marry me, right then and there. At that intersection, I was sitting there going, okay, you know what? There's nobody better. I'm going to drive off and go ask her dad. That's what I did. I've tried. There's nobody better. I've done as many stupid things as I could do to ruin it. Now, I'll go ahead and do it. Right there at River Road in 41. But here's the thing that I see often at River and 41. What happens is, on River Road, heading towards the interstate at 41, so I guess that would be more like eastbound, because, you know, I-75 takes a different type of, or northbound, maybe. Yeah, it's northbound. Right there at that light, oftentimes, what you'll see is a big pileup of traffic. And you're like, what the heck? And you sit there. And oftentimes I'm in a police car and I'm sitting there going, okay, what's wrong here? Because this should be moving. So I'll buzz up because I'm allowed to drive out wherever I want. So I bu- <laughs> the rest of you can't do this. Sorry. So I can drive wherever I want. And all I got to do is turn my permanent passport on, my blue lights, and go up there. And I go up there and check. And what has happened is, is that the person is not on the scale. They're not on the scale. Do you know what I mean by that? You've got to get up, say say this pole is the white line on the road, right, that you're supposed to be right up next to. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Nod at me if you get me. The person is supposed to be in this area, on the scale. If you've ever looked on the road, there's a scale there that triggers the light. You know that, right? Well, the person is not on the scale. They're sitting way back from the line. And they're sitting there, and the light is going. Everybody else is going. If I wasn't in a police car, I would probably do an experiment and just sit there and wonder, how long will they stay there? (laughs) Everybody else is moving. Eastbound is gone. Westbound is gone. Southbound is gone. Only northbound has not moved. You have been there 10 to 15 minutes, and you have not moved. People are honking at you, and you're sitting there. Believing with all of your heart that you are doing everything right. Right? And I've sat there and I have watched them. They are fine. 
Everybody else is wrong. I'm good. There's a line all the way heading back towards East River Road. People getting out of their cars. What in the world's going on? And I just wonder at what points, this is, listen, I have a lot of faults. I'm the first one to admit I am riddled with faults, okay? I do, I admit it. But here's the one thing is when all of that is going on, at some point in my mind it would come to, maybe I'm wrong. If everybody else is moving, I'm at the front of the line and nothing's happening, maybe it's me. That would cross my mind at some point quickly, but it doesn't. Finally, I pull up to the patrol car, I roll down my window, and I go. And oftentimes, they're still going. So I just pull my car into that spot and trigger the light. And I just wonder as they're driving off going, hmm, I sat there all that time. Do they feel dumb or not? I really, I mean, to me, I hope they at least feel a little bit dumb so that it'll change them, right? This is what I'm talking about this morning, folks. Let us not be that spiritually sitting there at that light, watching others move, us staying exactly the same. Listen, if it's you, it's you this morning. I've sat at the light. I admit it. Did anybody else want to admit it? I admit it. I've sat there, done nothing. Things are moving. People are talking. Pastors beeping their horn, telling me to move, and I'm not moving. Right? Let, us, let that not be us this morning. Let us be open. Let us be broken and contrite so that we can be close to the Lord. Let's be that this morning. That's interacting with God. The Spirit is life. The Spirit is the light and the life of the gospel for those of us who are here after Jesus left, which is the majority of all Christians that have ever existed, existed after Jesus left. Jesus is gone. Everybody knows that, right? Don't try and find the body of Jesus. Gone. Right? He's gone. We're not second class because he's gone, folks. We're actually better off that he's gone. (gasps) Tom, that's Jesus. That's what Jesus said. Are you ready? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Jesus could not do that. John 16, 7 and 8, right? Jesus couldn't do that. Jesus could convict the room that he was in of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit can convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Jesus could interact with those that he was in the room with for the most part. He can interact with them. He can minister to them. The Holy Spirit can minister to us wherever we are at. It is to our advantage that Jesus has gone away. Jesus said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, right? He didn't just leave us, folks. What he did was this. Jesus left, made you and I his body, and then sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what he did. That's not going on in the church, but that's the power that he's given us for the things that we're supposed to be doing. He left, 
He established you and I as, the, as his physical body to do greater things, right? John 14, 12, to do, the, do greater things than he did and then empowered us with the one that he sent. He didn't leave us as orphans. How much do we think about the Holy Spirit? How much do we seek the Holy Spirit? Where is he on our priority list of things? It is the Spirit who gives life. Am I saying that over and over again? Yes, I'm saying it for a reason. What does the Spirit do, church? Do we, could we name them all? We could probably ex- extract a lot of it out of the word. But what does he do? Let's look. We're going to look for a little while. There's a couple of layers here. We just said, we just said no, I'm not saying this in order. We said number one, he convicts the world, right? He convicts of what? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Father draws, correct? Does everybody know that? I want you to understand God. Oftentimes what we do is we get confused about God because we don't really understand what God does and who he is. Who draws? God Almighty. Who convicts? The Holy Spirit, right? Jesus said in John, in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up at the last day, right? The Holy Spirit convicts. The Father God draws all along the path of salvation, whether we're saved or not. If we're, if we're, if we're not saved, he's drawing us to salvation. He's convicting us towards salvation. If we are saved, he's drawing us and convicting us, bringing us to a deeper place, right? Another thing he does is he illuminates. What does he illuminate, church? He illuminates the completed work of the Lamb. Listen closely to this now. This will alleviate a lot of confusion and frustration in your life. You won't walk out of here today with your mind completely renewed, but you can get on the path if you listen to this this morning. This will change your walk with God if you apply it. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is John 16, 13 through 15. You may have time to turn there. We're going to be here, camp here for just a moment. John 16, 13 through 15. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Everybody get that right there. How many of you have ever been to a church when they're praying for the Holy Spirit to do a new thing? I'll raise two hands. Holy Spirit, do a new thing in Venice, Florida. Do a new thing in Inglewood. Come on, Holy Spirit. Come on. Do a new thing. Let's look at what he does. And then we all get frustrated that he doesn't do what? A new thing. Let's look at what he does. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. So he's having to hear what he speaks, correct? Is he doing a new thing? No, he's repeating that which he has heard. Everybody got that? That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. We'll get to that in a minute. He shall glorify me, Jesus, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. 
Is he doing a new thing? No, he's receiving that which Jesus did to show it to you and I. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and show it to you. Let's break this down. He will not speak of himself. Why? Why will he not speak of himself? Because the work is done. He doesn't need, there's no more work to be done by God. He doesn't need to speak of himself. The work, the, you and I are completed the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We are completed. Whether our minds ever get renewed enough to act in that completion is up to you and I. But the moment that we receive the forgiveness of our sins through the blood of the Lamb, we are complete. Listen to this now. So he won't speak of himself because the work's completed. What he hears, the word of God, the life of Jesus, the acts of Jesus, the words of Jesus, that's what he will speak of, the completed work. Everybody getting this? He will show us things to come. What's that about? He will show us things to come. What's that about? The Mayan 2012 prophecy? The world ends in 2012 because the Mayans said so. Is that what he's going to show us? It all goes back to Jesus again. He's talking about things to come in Christ. Jesus' second coming. You ready? He will glorify Jesus, receive of Jesus, and show it to us. Everything, whenever we ask him, Lord, do something new, he's going, can't. It's completed already. There's nothing more to do. Think about it this way. If you had an absolutely perfect car, perfect for you, and somebody comes in and starts drilling holes in it, you know what, I want to put, you know, mama loves her baby on a license plate on the front of that, all right? Is that all right? Drills right in the front of your bumper. Oftentimes, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to add to things, and the Holy Spirit is going, no, it's, uh, it's done already. Now listen to this stuff now. All things of the Father belong to Jesus, correct? The Spirit will take of Jesus and show us all things. His goal is to enable us, to show us who we are, and to show him what we already own and then to show us what is to come, not new stuff. The Spirit wants us to know and live in that reality. Folks, what is that reality? Let me say it again. You have all things. You are a completed work. All you have to do is be renewed enough. That's where Romans 12, 1 and 12, 2 comes in. That all you have to do is have your mind renewed enough that, that you know that when you lay hands on the sick, they'll be made well. You know it. Did Jesus question it? Do you really honestly believe that he sat outside of that cave or stood outside that cave with Lazarus and was going, man, I hope he comes out. I'm really going to look dumb if he doesn't come out, man. Oh, sweat beads coming down. Oh, man, I hope he comes out. How many of you, that'd be you? You know it's true. I'm just, listen, I'm not offering you me as a sign of perfection. I'm offering you to join me on the road. 
That's all that I'm offering you this morning. I'm not saying follow Tom's perfection. I'm, asking, I'm telling you, if, this, if you want to follow me as I follow Christ, go ahead. That's all I'm saying. In John chapter 16, 13, the Holy Spirit is called what? The Spirit of truth. He lives and he breathes reality. Now listen to this. What is his measuring stick? What is his, the Holy Spirit's, what is his standard of measure? What is he measuring everything against? What is his compass? What is his point of comparison? Is it justice? Is it? Is that what the Holy Spirit's working in? Is it even judgment? Is it? Who's the judge? Jesus is, right? Not the Holy Spirit. Jesus. We must all appear before the judgment seat of the Holy Spirit. No, the judgment seat of Christ. Right? What is his measuring stick? Perfection. Everybody got that? Now, don't crawl under your seat right now thinking there's no way I can ever be perfect. Don't be like that. I want you to hear what I'm saying this morning. His measuring stick, his standard of measure is perfection. That's what he compares everything against. Has everybody got that so far? Nod at me or say amen if you got it. Amen. You're getting quiet. Are you scared? Or am I just going too long? Because if I'm going too long, I'll just go longer. Everybody got this so far? Listen, do you want to be alive in your walk with God? Do you want to stop vacillating in your walk with God? Are you tired of everything that you once had has been stolen from you and you walk around depressed? Then you're going to have to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. Because he'll change that for you. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect therefore as my heavenly Father is perfect, right? The Holy Spirit's measuring stick, his standard of measure is perfection. He lines everything up. You and me, every decision that we make on our own, he lines it up with how it looks in comparison to perfection. Everybody got that? How many of you that makes you really comfortable? That'd be like me walking down the beach, right? Don't even picture this in your mind, but me walking down the beach and next to me is some NFL football player chiseled out of stone. And the two of us, and tan as tan can be, and me walking down the beach next to him, bleached white and fat. And walking next to him, right? That's perfection, and there's me measured against it, you see? He measures everything against perfection. But don't, but don't shrink from that. Listen to me now. Don't be like most Christians and shrink from that. Listen closely to what I tell you this morning. The Holy Spirit does not come to condemn. He comes to convict and illuminate. Listen. He's not saying you're useless because you have fallen short. He flawlessly stays on task, showing us perfection. That's what he does. He's not saying you failed. You failed. You failed. That's not his business, correct? He's not in the business of condemnation. He's in the business of conviction. He's not concerned about saying, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've sinned. He's saying, here's perfection. How do you measure? See what I'm saying? Do you see the difference? Condemnation is you're a failure. You have failed. 
You have failed as this. You have failed as that. You have failed as a Christian. You can't hold on to your walk with God. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit's not doing any of that. What he's doing is saying, here is perfection right here. Here is perfection. My sword is perfection. Where do you line up with this sword? That's all that he's doing. That's all that he does in that area. He stays on task doing that. That perfection, showing us things in perfection. It's just like if I was walking down the beach, right, with the NFL football player chiseled out of stone, right? We would be standing next to each other. Say we were exactly the same height and everything. Stand next to each other, and you would say, okay, Tom's lacking muscle there, and he's got too much fat there, right? That's what he does is he's got a perfection, and we'll, he's got the perfect model, we'll see it, because he's illuminating perfection. We'll see the flaws in and of themselves, right? Even sin, he convicts us about it. He doesn't condemn us over it. You understand that? If we don't, listen, if we don't get out of sin and we stay in sin as a lifestyle and die in that, Jesus will be our judge. You see? The Holy Spirit the whole time is going, run to the cross. That's perfection. Run to the cross before it's too late. That's what he's doing. He's not saying, you've messed up. You're worthless. You're a sinner. He's not doing any of that. He's illuminating perfection. The question is, what do we do upon illumination? He can do that all he wants. Remember, he flawlessly stays on task, illuminating perfection. Now, what do we do upon illumination? Stay in the light? How uncomfortable is it for me to stand next to the NFL football player and be compared? Right? How uncomfortable is that? But is it truth? Is it truth? It's truth, right? What do we do upon, upon that illumination? Do we stay in the light and just go ahead and keep on taking it? Yes. If we stay in the light and we're like, you know what? You're right, God. That is perfect. I'm going to go to that. I'm going that way. Do we stay in it or do we hide from it? Here's what a lot of Christians do. And listen very closely to this. I've seen a lot of Christians come and go, and here's the, here's the reason why they go. In whatever form, whether it's church or whether it's just in their walk with God, Here's what they do, and, I, and I'm not saying that they will even say that they've walked away from God. They won't say it. What it is is that they have been illuminated. The Holy Spirit's illuminating perfection, and they can see it. Now, what do they do? Oftentimes, what they do is either one of two things or both. They will make excuses and say, well, you know what? I don't really think that that's necessary. Even though the word of God may say, and they'll never say that out loud, even though the word of God may say it, I don't really think it's necessary. They'll make excuses about it. There's my reason for not going towards perfection. Here's my reasons. Or this is a more, this is actually probably more prevalent. They'll use substitution instead. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of what, church? Life. Right? Life. It adds life to your walk with God. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, right? 
Often what we do instead of dwelling in truth and life is we substitute. You've heard me talk about this before. Many Christians would rather have a fellowship than deal with the Holy Spirit. They would listen. There are a lot of Christians. What they'd rather have is, listen, I'm just going to go to my men's group, and I can just talk endlessly there, hang out, and I can still call myself, you know, what? I'm, I'm being spiritual because I'm there. They substitute. They substitute counsel of Christians instead of counsel of the Holy Spirit. Let us not do that. How important is this member of the Trinity that we stay in proper relationship with him? This is why the Spirit, listen, the Spirit of God is the life of the gospel. It's the life of the gospel because he's the one that's pressing us forward. Listen to this now. If we stay in the light, the Spirit will reveal the deep things of God. Don't answer this question out loud. Just answer it in your heart. I'll tell you what my answer is for me, and then you decide for you. How many of us think that we know the deep things of God? My answer for me is no. Why? The evidence isn't there. You many of you are like, why am I attending this church and you're the pastor? Here's the thing. I'm not offering you me. I'm offering you God. I'm offering you to join me in the struggle, in the battle. I'm not offering anything else but that. Many churches will instead offer substitution. They'll offer you painless substitution instead of crucified with Christ. You see what I mean? You know what? Instead of getting into this nitty-gritty stuff about the Holy Spirit, Let's go eat. Call that a men's fellowship. We're good, right? Let's go play softball in Jesus' name. Not bad-mouthing our softballers out here. I know we got a softball team. Let's have another church cookout. Let's do that. But let's not get into this stuff. This is why I've had one a person recently come up to me and talk to me about Christian friends of theirs and he cannot have a deep spiritual conversation with them. They just don't relate. He's trying to talk to them about Jesus and the things of the Spirit of God, and they just keep reverting back to the NFL playoffs. Because there's nothing there. Why? Because upon illumination of perfection, they scurried into the darkness. Right? Because you know what? Illumination hurts. Right? It can hurt, depending on what's there. But if we stay in that light, he will reveal the deep things of God. Now listen, this is the expectation. And I know that you have all heard this, this verse, these verses many times. We're heading towards the end, so stay with me. I know that you've heard these verses many times. You've heard them many times in this church. And you've heard them many times in all sorts of other preaching. But listen to this. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, right? But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all of things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Do you see? How important is this Holy Spirit of ours? How important is it? The deep things of God he brings forth. 
He's the only one who knows the thoughts of God. Even Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God is not said to have known, is not said to know right now the thoughts of God. The Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. If we stay in that illumination, folks, if we stay in that life of constant connectivity with the Holy Spirit, we will get into the deep things of God. This is what should excite the Christian. We should be excited about these things. This is why that my brother, when he's telling me about that impossible conversation with these Christian folks, they're not excited about what the Holy Spirit's doing. Oftentimes, what we get excited about is what? Substitution. There's a lot of people, what they get excited about is elevating in the church, right? Man, my goal is to to be a deacon. I'm going to go and I'm going to work my way around the church, politicking, go shake everybody's hand, vote for me, Tom Lipley, deacon, 2012, right? I get to be somebody at the church. I'm going to be the guy that, that does this thing or that thing, whatever it may be. It's all substitution for the deep things of God. How many of you know the enemy will use that? Listen, there's all kinds of guys that are pastors as substitutions for the deep things of God. Right? Do you know that? Not this one. I want the deep things of God, in case you can make your way. Let me close with this. Christianity should never be stagnant or boring. You hear that around here a lot. Amen? Shouldn't be stagnant or boring. If, if your walk with God is stagnant or boring, you have a problem with one of the members of the Trinity. You hear me now, church? You willing to accept it? It's up to you. I'm not done. Christianity should never be stagnant or boring. If it is for you, it's because you're not connected with the spirit of life. Is life something that's life-giving? How many of you all have ever been around a person? And when you walk into the, I want to be this person, I'm not right now, but I want to be one of these people that when you get with them, instantly it's like life-affirming. You ever been around someone like that? You know what I mean? You get it with them, and it's just, there's not, a, there's not a lot of them out there. And sometimes it's spiritual, and sometimes it's not. But if you're in contact with the spirit of life, your walk with God is not going to be stagnant or boring. Listen to this. I'm closed with this. Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Romans 8, 14. He will lead you. This is what we're supposed to be excited about. This constant flow, not stagnant, a constant flow. He will lead you into your gifts that belong to who? Him. He will lead you into your calling, which belong to Him, and your anointings. He will lead you into more than attending church. That is not His goal for you. His goal is not for you to His goal is not for you to just be mere attender of church services. His goal is for you to be the body of Christ, doing greater works than he did. Everybody hear that? 
take a hold of this this morning, if it's still morning. Is it still morning? Yeah. Take a hold of that. Take a hold of this this morning. His goal is to get you to the place of functioning in your calling. Your calling, as I look around the room, maybe I'll pick on somebody, on, on people's jobs that I know. I'm looking at police, probation officer, teacher, hairstylist, business owners, dental assistants, all the different jobs that I know of around here, law enforcement. That is not your calling. Your calling's in the Word. Find it. It's there. I'm not going to get into that this morning. Until you are functioning in that full bore, doing greater works than He did, you're not where you need to be. So let's run. Can it be stagnant or boring if you're functioning like that? Could it be? It won't be. It can't be. He's the spirit of life. Take a hold of that this morning and say, I'm not where I need to be, but I'm going there. Everybody got that? You're, listen, your calling is not wife of this person. Your calling is not husband of this person or father of this person. Your calling is child of God functioning in the body of Christ. And functioning in the body is not mere attendance. It's functioning, doing greater works than he did. That's functioning. Amen? Being a part of that is what I'm talking about. He will lead us to anointing and he will lead us into action. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.